Do you believe in alternate universes? You are listening to Delayed Replay. The Improvised Movie Review Podcast. Wink. Everything is fine here. We're all fine. Just sit tight and listen to them talk about the movies they definitely saw. Don't delay. Don't delay. We have to listen right away. Hello, listeners. This is Steven Schinder, host of Delayed Replay, that podcast that you're listening to right now, either on purpose or by accident. And my guest on this particular episode, he's from the Decorative Vegetable Podcast Network, which you've heard that Dylan Green is from. This is his co-host on those podcasts. It is Keon. Hello. How are you doing, Steven? Doing pretty good. Life's been pretty weird. I was trapped in a couple of rooms with another friend recently, so getting to talk about a kid's movie after talking so much horror will be kind of refreshing, I think. For sure, for sure. Especially one as, you know, fun and just lighthearted and easy to dive into as, you know, the second Minions movie. So yeah, this is Minions, The Rise of Gru. Written and directed by... No, no, we'll (laughs) (laughs) Well, I guess I'll start with like our previous experiences with the movies. So did you want to go first or should I go first or... Um, I I mean, I can go. I have not seen the previous Minions movie, but I have seen all three Despicable Me movies. Um, I'll try not to plug, you know, <laughs> the other podcasts I'm on too much, but um, I actually covered, you know, the, the Despicable Me trilogy that's out currently because um, the fourth one isn't out, but uh, on, you know, one of the podcasts I do. Um, and yeah, they're just... Check out the <laughs> a movie trilogy podcast. <laughs> Yeah, so I've seen all of those. Um, they're really weird. They're they, they're sort of surreal, uh, but they're 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 cool kids movies. Um, I guess the first one is at least. <laughs> I don't want to bash <laughs> this franchise too much <laughs> on this podcast, but I mean, I kind of will. Okay. But yeah, like like the episode that you guys did on triple play about the despicable me trilogy is like i i was like hey maybe i can get one of them to be on this one so yeah and, and there we you were go. not kind to it <laughs> we were not kind to the trilogy <laughs> it's been a little while since i've heard that episode so i couldn't remember whether you guys said surrealist masterpiece ironically or unironically so yes yeah, so it was very much in the the ironic realm <laughs> okay as far as my experiences with these movies i rented the first one sometime after it came out um wow that one came out like 10 years ago this year that's wild yeah when you say rented do you mean like actual like blockbuster style like you you rented the dvd and and watched that way uh this was when my family started renting by mail through Netflix. Oh gotcha. Oh man, by mail through Netflix. Uh that's such a remnant of the past. <laughs> yeah, I was like going through this phase where cuz you know when you rent something from like Blockbuster, you have it for a few days so you try to watch it as many times <laughs> as you can within that span. But with Netflix, it was like 
the opposite. Like, we'd get two DVDs at a time, and I'd, like, watch them and then try to put them back in the mail as soon as I could so that we'd get, like, four movies mm-hmm. per week. Yeah, gaming the system there a little bit. But <laughs> yeah. Nice. So, yeah, I thought the first one was funny and enjoyable. And then I watched the second one in the theater with a friend. And I thought that one was really funny. I, I think I preferred that one slightly over the first one just because, like, Gru had gone through some changes that I really liked. Like, he wasn't doing, like, his whole villain uh, routine mm-hmm. anymore. Like, he was a family man, and I really mm-hmm. liked that. And then, like, later on, when I watched the third movie, like, streamed it on Netflix sometime after it came out, I was not really into how, like, it felt like a regression for Groot. And, well, yeah. guys, like, Groot, that's Guardians of the Couch. <laughs> I'm Groot. Imagine if all he said was, I'm Groot. <laughs> <laughs> Why would you do this? Because we are crew. <laughs> but yeah, like we got introduced to his brother in that movie and it felt like a step back for his characterization, like kind of going back into the villainy side of things. So I thought that one was pretty meh. Um, as for the first Minions movie, I was trying really hard to remember whether or not I'd actually seen it before. Because, like, do you care if I, like, spoil how No, no, it's fine. Okay, so I remember knowing that it ends with the Minions meeting, like, Kid Groot in, like, 1968 or whatever it was. But I can't remember if I... Like, I definitely remember reading that, but I don't remember if I watched it afterward as well, or if, like, the image in my head was just from, like, reading it. So, like, I don't know if I actually fully watched the actual Minions movie, like I couldn't say. <laughs> well, if you did watch it, it was probably very not memorable then. Or maybe it had, like, that memory erasing <laughs> thing, like, at the end of Space Jam 2. <laughs> yeah, the real Space Jam 2 that nobody remembers. <laughs> yeah. It's also, like, what they did at the end of that Men in Black Jump Street crossover. <laughs> like- but, like, I blinked at the right time, so I didn't get my memory of that erased. <laughs> oh, man, I gotta check that one out. Gotta, you know, find some way to access it that somebody remembers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, um, just as someone who for sure hasn't watched Minions, like, the first one, I I, I don't know, I, I gotta say, uh, despite some of the interesting stuff we're gonna dive into here, like, that first Minions movie still does not look good to me yeah it's it seems and again i don't know if this is my actual memory of it or just my impression of it from what i've like read or like seen in the marketing it looks very like slapsticky like like i remember in the despicable me movies uh particularly the second and third one i dreaded whenever they would focus too much on the minions and it's kind of a weird thing having like those movies and then Minions, um, although Minions came out between the second and third movie, but like we have Minions and then we get Minions, The Rise of Gru. And to me, it it's kind of like if you were to make the original Star Wars trilogy, right? And then you get the Ewoks movie and it's like a prequel and like 
kid Anakin <laughs> appears at the very end. <laughs> and then the next movie is e- Ewoks, The Rise of Skywalker. Oh my god. Oh, wait, that's an actual movie. Ewoks, The Rise of Anakin, or whatever. Yeah, the event, like, the like, events of Revenge of the Sith, like, particle collided with but- Ewoks. And it's the same, like, weird, like, tonal whiplash style movie. <laughs> But Anakin's 12, like, Grey was 12 in this movie. <laughs> yeah, you know, Dylan and I were actually joking about how, like, it seems like they're trying to have the worlds, I know they're not separate worlds, but, like, the worlds of Minions and the world of Despicable Me collide. So, like, Minions will be both Minions 3 and Despicable Me 4, and they'll market it as both to get kids to watch both. It'll be the exact same movie, just with a different, like, title card. And kids will beg their parents to see both. And so, would it take place between Rise of Gru and Despicable Me 1, or after 3? Or would it be like an X-Men Days of Future Past situation? Yeah, that, that's a good question. Um, I really have no idea how they do it. Um, you know, given the ending of this one, I would not be hesitant to say that it would be a prequel to Despicable Me 1. But yeah, that's a good question. Yeah, and it's kind of weird because when you think about it, the title Despicable Me does not sound very appealing. Whereas with Minions, like, people know what the Minions are and what they're getting, I guess. So, I guess from a marketing standpoint, it looks like a better title, but the characters are really annoying to me. Yeah, same here. I mean, just kind of going back to what you said before, um, I also definitely did not like the parts of 2 and 3 that heavily focused on the minions. Um, I don't know. I just, I find them just terrible. I, I know, I mean, I know these movies skew very young, younger even than Pixar movies, but like, man, the minions, I just don't like them. Yeah, I mean, I'm an Ice Age fan, but even speaking as a fan, I feel like in the Ice Age sequels, it would get really grating seeing those slapstick sequences with Scrat, the saber-toothed squirrel, and just seeing him fail time <laughs> and time again. It's the same stuff every time, and it's it's just filler. So it's kind of similar to my feelings about Minions, I guess. Yeah, I, th- I think that's also potentially why the third one kind of falls flat for a lot of, like... I don't know anyone like <laughs> in the double digits or higher of age because <laughs> it's like that one it skews very young like five and under really is I, I feel is, was their target with that one yeah I could see that this one was a surprise though I don't know if you felt the same way but like I don't know I kind of liked what they had going on in Rise of Gru yeah so like I was debating for a while whether or not to watch this movie for the podcast um like, it came out in early July, but I was, like, really on the fence of whether or not to see it. But then I, like, watched the trailer, and I was like, oh, this actually might be pretty good if they're leaning more on Gru than on the Minions. Plus, it's, like, 1970s, and I'm kind of tired of 80s nostalgia, <laughs> so, like, 70s is, like, weirdly refreshing. Yeah, I agree. I was I was definitely intrigued, um, you know, when I first heard of this movie i was definitely intrigued of like oh this is going to be kind of a a despicable me period piece almost um so that definitely like caught my attention more so than than you know minions or the despicable me sequels 
Yeah, I think this one is like late. Well, it at least begins in like late 1972 because there's that magazine that says something like "Congratulations Nixon." I think it's like a Mad magazine. Um, but yeah, like there's just been so much 80s stuff like in the past decade or so. I guess this is a good time for me to get into my little Stranger Things hot take, <laughs> if that's fine. Yeah, I mean, totally. So, Stranger Things, I think, is a good show, but each season gets less good <laughs> compared to the previous <laughs> one, because they focus too much on the... Like, they shove even more 80s nostalgia and rely on it more, I think. Whereas the first one felt like it could have been, like, a really good standalone, like, its own thing. And then I I feel like it doesn't live up to its title. Like, sure, it's strange, but it's not strange enough. Like, to me, it feels too streamlined for normies, (laughs) you know? Uh, I actually have not watched a single second of Stranger Things. So I guess I can't really comment, but I'll definitely keep that in mind like if I ever jump into the series. Yeah, I do think the final scene of the second season is the best scene in the entire show, but the first season is the strongest overall in my opinion. That's usually how it is. I find that I think I end up thinking that for a lot of franchises like where one of the worst episodes or one of the worst movies will have the best scene. Maybe the first Minions has like has secretly has like the best Despicable Me scene, and I'm just missing out or something. <laughs> Maybe it's a scene where they meet Gru. I almost said Groot <laughs> again, <laughs> and like the narrator is like he he was. I I can't remember all the adjectives, but basically saying that he was perfect for them to follow. And the final adjective the narrator said was like he was despicable and it's like such a wink wink nudge nudge thing oh yeah (laughs) so yeah this movie um (laughs) it begins with like this little montage kind of filling in the gaps between minions one and this one uh like all of their like failed schemes like there was one where um they were trying to make chips that would have like mind controlled everyone but the ch- this company was not into the chips so they ripped off the branding like it was called minions but they decided to like go with funions so like similar color and branding but like they went with the delicious circular chips that we all know and love instead which i thought was funny yeah that's that's definitely like a a, a good one that they threw in there at the beginning but like, it, I think it also speaks to how this movie is really cool because it almost does like this historical fiction type thing where it's like it, you get these origin stories, but like it ha- they have to do with the minions of all things. Like, there's definitely that like space age vibe, you know. It was shortly after the moon landing, you know, thus contextualizing like why Gru is later on so obsessed with the moon in Despicable Me One. I'm like, oh my god, like this is really it's it's pretty well thought out. It really touches back. Yeah, and this really gave a chance to explore his mother more. Uh, and she's voiced by Julie Andrews in this. And we get to see, like, how she's not very impressed with him. Because, like, I think she had, like, a silent 
role like the character did in like the first movie but here we actually get to like hear her and it's like really sad seeing her interactions with Gru. Yeah, anyone who's watched Despicable Me 1 for sure remembers the like Gru's flashbacks and his kind of origin story where you know, the reason why he is so self-centered, disconnected from everyone else and just kind of mad at the world is because his mother never left him. So like, sorry, his mother never loved him. <laughs> oh my God. Um, and just kind of seeing that play out here was like, you know, it was, it was almost even more devastating than it otherwise would have been because like, you know, the end result of it, you know? Right. I was also wondering, like, how much I would enjoy Gru's journey in this, because, like, we know where he ends up, but I feel like overall his, like, shenanigans in this were fun to watch overall, and it's just, I don't know, it's fun to see what kid Gru was like at this time. I agree, and I I totally think that this is a this was a good direction to go, you know, with um, with Wild Knuckles, you know, almost acting as his sort of father figure, kind of mirroring how he was the father figure to the three girls, and especially, in, well, in all three of the Despicable Me movies, but especially the first one. Right. So, obviously, spoilers for the movie. I feel like the listeners of this podcast know that by now. But yeah, um, so Wild Knuckles was like the former leader of the Vicious Six. And so they have an opening and grew like, uh, tries to like seek them out and he plays this record backwards that mentions the vicious six and i don't know if you've ever watched twin peaks but the way that the backwards uh dialogue sounded reminded me very much of like the red room scenes in twin peaks yeah you know again twin peaks another show that i i haven't seen i've always wanted to watch it uh, i just never got around to it uh, and I've always heard about the the Red Room, but I, I don't even know what it is. Twin Peaks definitely better than Stranger <laughs> Things. Just putting that out there. Yeah, I've heard Twin Peaks is excellent. Yeah. Uh, so, like, even the elevator has like red walls, if I remember correctly. So maybe it's like an intentional shout out. But um... hey, yeah, maybe. There's a lot. So yeah, he meets. Oh, oh, oh I was go just ahead. Say, there's like there's a lot you can kind of get away with in animation in terms of like subtle subtle call-outs, or even, like, quote-unquote, casting people into the to the movie who aren't in the movie just by kind of almost, like, stylized, in a stylized way, like, replicating their likeness. Um, not that this movie really does that, but, like, yeah, possible. Right. So, yeah, he goes down the elevator and tries to, like, talk to the Vicious Six members. Uh, so we have Bellbottom, who is now the leader of them. Bill Bottom is voiced by Taraji P. Henson. And then you've got, it's really amazing like which actors they cut for this movie, but we get Jean-Claude Van Damme voicing Jean-Claude, who's yeah. got like this giant lobster claws. Like I just appreciate puns like that. Oh yeah. And you got Lucy Lawless as Nunchuck, who was pretty much a nun with nunchucks. <laughs> like that's her deal like that's how she looks and what she uses Dolph Lundgren as Vengeance and Danny Trejo as Stronghold and it's kind of like you get these heavy hitters from these like Rocky movies and Robert Rodriguez movies and I think that's pretty funny 
it's like something for the adults to enjoy, like Weasel in jokes for a few of those names. Yeah, and they even brought some of the actors' own character into the into the character, like Dolph Lundgren. You know, there's obviously Northern European, like he is. Uh, Jean Claude Van Damme is, you know, obviously worked into into Jean Claude. So I, I I just I really loved how they did that. Yeah, Jean Claude Van Damme is known to be a proud lobster in real life. So <laughs> he's one of the lobsters in the Amanda show. Maybe <laughs> I don't know. Um, but yeah, so so Gru is in this sort of interview, and you know, he he's a little kid. They're not they're not buying his whole his whole spiel. Yeah. And this is pretty sad to to watch because, you know, he's it's kind of like when I watched Monsters University and it was tragic knowing that Mike Wazowski could never be like a scary monster like he was aspiring to be in that movie. Mm-hmm. So like that one was pretty tough for me to watch. And like, obviously, I prefer the like Monsters Inc., the first movie for partially that reason. Um, so yeah, I kind of got those vibes watching this. Definitely, definitely. But yeah, Gru is very upset, as you would expect. And he steals some stuff from the Vicious Six as a form of revenge. Yeah, he steals... What what was it called in the movie? He steals their magic stone called... I can't remember. Oh, I'll remember. I just remember it being called like a stone. <laughs> Yeah, it has it had a name, but but whatever. Yeah, he steal he steals their stone thingamabob. Yeah, and he tells one of the minions to like hide it while he's like on the run, and like just like in the trailer, we get the song "Sabotage" during this sequence where he's like riding his was it a bike or a moped? Uh, I don't remember what it was, but he's like riding it in the street and like. The song Sabotage always makes you think of, like, the Star Trek reboot and, like, because, like, it was used in the first of those movies as well as in, like, the third one of those, Star Trek Beyond. Huh, yeah. Yeah, once he is in the clear, um, he reunites with the minion who, like, had the stone, but it turns out that the minion, the minion has, like, this long-winded explanation about how he traded it for a pet rock the thing with like the google yeah. <laughs> I, I love that it was in the trailer but i couldn't help but like crack a smile at that yeah and it was a real surprise when that pet rock cracked a smile and we heard the voice of Dwayne the rock johnson <laughs> come out of it yeah that's anyone who's 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 listened to you know my other podcast which is you know maybe very few <laughs> listening to this knows that we sort of have a <laughs> Dylan and I sort of have a running meme about The Rock. The Rock is such a great actor. So, Stephen, let me ask you at this point, because at this point we're getting the Minions names like Rapid Fire, and something that I, that's it's something that I never was able to, like, who's Bob? Who's Cat? Like, I don't, I can't, I personally can't differentiate the Minions, but they all do have their own distinct names. Well, not all of them, but the main ones do. Right, I've never been able to tell which is which either like i i can barely remember the names like i usually remember that kevin is one of them Otto is another and um yeah i don't know like i guess they didn't 
or maybe this is just me, like, only watching each of these movies once, but I feel like there's not that great of an effort to differentiate them from each other. I don't know if anyone would disagree, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I feel the same. It is just kind of like, it's just kind of weird to me watching the credits of, of what all these movies actually, just seeing their individual names and, was, and being like, wait, was I supposed to, like, know who these, like, differentiate the minions or, like, I don't know. You know, even even though I haven't watched Minions 1, like, even in this movie, like, they... Well, I guess that's not fair to say, because they actually aren't really center stage in this movie, despite the movie being called Minions, and the Minions being, like, literally some of the most popular animated characters of the decade. <laughs> it's like how Fantastic Beasts, The Crimes of Grindelwald, was not even about the Fantastic Beasts. <laughs> Oh, uh, wasn't I? I'd only watched the first one of that, and then I refused to watch the second one because the first one was. Oh, uh, the sec the second one. I I really liked the first one. It had great humor. It's just the second movie was such a mess. Like lots of decisions that were just plain bad, and a few things that went against the lore. And it feels like there are two film series within this, like. There's, like, the wizarding war that's going on, but there's also, like, this potential adventure series that they could have done with Newt Scamander, which I think would have been more fun. But they didn't go that direction, which is pretty sad. Yeah, I, I would I would have to agree. You know, not even being the biggest fan of the Harry Potter universe, just kind of hearing you suggest that, like, yeah, wow, that could have been could have been a thing. Yeah, cause, cause like we already got Wizarding War stuff with the Harry Potter movies and it was done well. And it's like, it should have had like a break from that type of thing. For sure, for sure. And who, like, who even knows what's going to happen with Harry Potter at all now that like Rolling Gate has gone down and like, you know, I don't know. Or Rolling, yeah, I don't, I don't know, know how to pronounce her name. JK Rolling and Doe because, <laughs> <laughs> because I wrote. One of the most popular kids series of all time. Not I. I'm speaking in her voice for some reason. She wrote. <laughs> I wish I wrote one of the most popular kids series of all time. <laughs> Murder, she wrote. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but anyway. So yeah, I feel like uh, the minions are pretty interchangeable to me anyway. Yeah, and, and I think part of that too is also that kind of this this movie it reminded me in the best ways of Despicable Me 1 where it was mostly focused on Gru and like the interpersonal relationships and like him sort of learning a good lesson rather than just like the minions doing dumb stuff you know yeah uh, going back to like the pet rock they don't explain why it talks it just kind of like goes its own way and then is like out of the plot which is pretty surreal but also not surprising for this movie no 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 um <laughs> but um what what do you think of like how they brought dr nefario into this movie yeah you know going in i was like i i knew he was going to be in the movie and i was like you know it's probably just going to be a, a dumb little cameo he'll probably just show up like in the background or something um, but then i saw that russell brand had actually been brought back to to voice him and I was like okay this like I have to see this or like I'm I was really interested in kind of seeing where they went with it because you know for anyone who remembers back to Despicable Me 3 
uh, Dr. Nefario was like conspicuously absent from that movie um, because that was like during the time when I think Russell Brand had just like disappeared off the face of the earth. <laughs> and I don't even know the full story behind that. Like I remember looking it up back when I was doing research on Despicable Me, but like d- didn't Russell Brand just like peace out of Hollywood and just kind of like lay low for years? I mean, I remember like in the early 2010s, I guess the late 2000s, noticing that he's in movies here and there. And then after that, he might have been in other things, but there are things that weren't really on my radar, so I didn't really hear about them. I'm like looking at his filmography right now. It looks like there's 2016, he did a voice role for Trolls, and then there was a gap of a few years. Yeah, because I, I, I seem to remember he, like, decided one day that, like, Hollywood was a BS industry, and he hated being in it, so he just kind of did, like, I don't know. I don't know what he did. He just kind of, like, noped out of everything for years, and, like, now he's he's coming back. It'd be funny if that's not what happened, and this were, like, an artificial memory <laughs> implanted in you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there's actually um i'll see if i can find it if you want to put it in the show notes but because i remember reading a pretty in-depth article about some of this um so maybe that's the article implanting artificial memories in people by just making up a wild (laughs) like wild accusations about russell brand (laughs) um brand new brand him as a deserter or something (laughs) 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 um but yes so in a very roundabout way to answer your question steven i was like very pleased with what they did with dr nefario in this movie especially how like this takes place what 35 years before despicable me one and he looks exactly the same that's just (laughs) i just love that like how old is this guy anyway (laughs) yeah it might be like 35 to 40 years or something i'll know like if there's like a canonical timeline of like the original trilogy or Mm. whatever but yeah it's like a really long time and yeah i just think that's really funny that he looks the same uh but real quick like going back to like his absence from the third movie like didn't he like wasn't he like frozen in carbonite that whole movie or something (laughs) like as as much as much of a hard time as I give the third movie, I think that was a genuinely funny way to explain his absence. Yeah, that's one of those things that, that the third movie definitely one of the few things it throws in there for like adults or like you know teens who would who would get it, whereas kids might not. Right, and I think he had like a background cameo in the first minions movie like i think there might have been like a picture of him at like a villain convention or maybe he was at the villain convention i don't remember Mm -hmm. but yeah he's got a bigger role in this compared to those last two movies definitely definitely it's also pretty surreal when Gru is like like he's talking to dr nefario and then Gru is wondering whether he should be a doctor and then out of nowhere, you get, like, this Dr. Grew title sequence of, like, the colors that you see in, like, 70s Doctor Who intros <laughs> around him. And it was, like, so random. 
Yeah, another nice little nod there. Yeah, there's even like a little advertisement for the three doctors special in this movie, like in the background. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, they threw a lot of like they threw a lot of seventies like miscellaneous into the background and, and such. Um, you know, you see this like seventies toys, like uh, like the Rock'em Sock'em robots, like grew in you know in Gru's house and just kind of stuff like that. Neat little things. Yeah, like there are some like kind of niche things, but there are also some more mainstream things. Like in the soundtrack, they include the hits that you would expect, like Smoke on the Water or Starman. As much as I would prefer like more obscure songs, those aren't bad songs in my opinion. Yeah, I was after a disappointing show, I think, from the soundtracks of Despicable Me 2 and 3. I definitely think that the licensed songs that they used in this one um, were period, period appropriate and, and actually fit like the scenes that they were used in. This is where the movie takes sort of a, an odd turn, perhaps like even you could even say a surreal turn, which is maybe fitting to this series. But like, I don't know, what what did you think, Stephen, of the way this goes, where they sort of go on this? I don't know, like both sides sort of go on on a quest to actually find the stone. Um, I didn't think that that's where the movie would go, but but it did, you know? Yeah, it's really weird how quickly the stone ends up like in all these different locations around the world. But it makes for like good set pieces. So you see like chases going on like across mountains and then like uh, across the ocean and like Antarctica and stuff like that and it's like dang how's this kid gonna survive in Antarctica but since it's like an animated movie you expect him to yeah it's always nice you know seeing animated characters just chilling with 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 the local wildlife <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> with the uh the local wildlife penguins and seals and such and I, I feel that, like, you know, once th- I know we keep going back to, or I know I at least keep taking us back to how much I disliked Despicable Me 2 and 3, but, like, one of my big problems with, especially the third one, was how just, I don't know, just how random the scenes with the minions were. There were sort of two, there was, like, an A plot and a B plot to that movie, and the minion stuff just graded so much. But, like, here, I feel the, the almost random nature of these different set pieces and locations um, actually worked. One, just because of how fun they were, but also because, like, um, tying it all together with Gru meeting, like, during this quest, meeting Wild Knuckles, who is, who's trying to keep the Vicious Six from, from getting the stone because he doesn't want them to, you know, have that, the amount of power that it affords them. And, and just, and Gru and him sort of, um, having to team up because of that, as it all tied it together. Yeah, for sure. Again, this is going back to, like, the minions kind of feeling like a diversion in other movies like it, it's kind of like you have like this cooking show right and you have the camera focused on like the chef and the food like that's the show like that's grew and the main plot and then whenever it's a minion scene it's almost as if like the camera person like goes <laughs> away from the kitchen and like goes to um I don't know like the um it takes a bathroom break uh, or something and you just get like a first person shot of it and, <laughs> and you're just like oh man this is not what I wanted. <laughs> <laughs> I mean I was gonna say it's like he goes to like the daycare center which is like not part of the cooking show but sure yeah. 
It's a less vulgar. That, that is also that is also out of place. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're you're right. It is as if like it's like, or I mean, it's like just kind of riffing off that. It's like. You know those survivor shows where it's like, or like Man vs. Wild, where it's like one guy out in the wilderness and not, I shouldn't have said survival, not survivor, because survivor is a real show, but like, you know, where it's just one guy out in the wilderness against all odds, but like the camera who is obviously just like eating pizza, like behind the camera and stuff and just li- like hanging out in tents. Yeah, like pineapple pizza. Yeah, oh my God. Don't even get me started. <laughs> um,. But yeah, it's almost as if like the camera kind of pans out and you just see like the camera crew like living it up in their tents and and just kind of having all modern amenities and you're just you're just taken out of that moment. You're taken out of what the show is trying to kind of go for. They're just giving the viewers what they want. <laughs> and what the kids want is more minions. Pizza. Oh. <laughs> Minion pizza, you know, I would, I, I don't know. I don't think I would eat a minion, actually. <laughs> you know, that actually was a topic I was going to consider bringing up. And I just <laughs> wasn't sure if it would come up. <laughs> uh, you know me, Steven. I'm a no holds barred when it comes to, <laughs> when it comes to cooking up delicious cartoon mascots. Because, <laughs> I mean, they look like, Twinkies with <laughs> limbs and eyes. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, yeah. Yeah, wow. I hope. <laughs> I hope that if there's ever a live action Minions movie, that they look like those like crude, low budget '80s puppets and something like Mac and Me, and they don't even blink. <laughs> what would be the most surreal thing? If, like. When not not if when because it's only a matter of time when there's a Despicable Me live action, the minions should just be like actual humans, just like with full yellow body paint in overalls. <laughs> <laughs> just got Steve Carell to shave his head. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like I think he could pull it off. Yeah, I don't know. I'm. I mean, yeah. His nose is definitely like it's it's almost a Gru's, you know, length. Oh, I don't know about that. But. <laughs> Have you seen the length of his nose? It's it's fairly lengthy. I think it is at least. Is this gonna be like another time we go on an office tangent on this show? Because <laughs> like I feel like on the on this show it's either an office tangent or a Space Jam tangent or both. If it's anything. <laughs> Hey, neither of those is anything to be ashamed of. If there's any type of tangent that you would want to go down, it would be Space Jam or The Office. Fair enough. <laughs> the American Office, not not the British Office. Oh, uh, right. Yeah, I, I I can't get over how like self-centered Ricky Gervais's character <laughs> is. Like, like Michael Scott is self-centered as well, but it's not in as annoying of a way as like Ricky Gervais's portrayal of david brent you know i feel like ricky gervais i know we should probably get back to the movie but like i I feel like ricky gervais is just that kind of actor though like i don't know like in all in like he's just playing himself. yeah he's almost he's almost like the british like jim carrey where like he's playing himself in every movie always not as annoying as jim carrey well i mean in the netflix 
version of the little prince he voiced the most conceited man in the world <laughs> oh my gosh that's great that was perfect casting i almost watched that a bunch of times like i was li- it's a great movie you should watch it yeah and and, and I've, I've loved the book ever since i was a kid so oh but now i'm worried that i've like overhyped it for you so it sucks <laughs> oh, no. go watch it yeah I- go watch it it sucks <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've been so close to pressing play on that movie many times, but yeah, I'll have to I'll have to give it a watch. Yeah, it's kind of surprising that to me that I haven't rewatched it since that first time I watched it, even though it's like I enjoyed it a lot. Mm-hmm. So speaking of tangents, <laughs> um, Gru and Doctor Nefario sign and co-sign this deal to like keep each other safe as they go up against the vicious six. Yeah, and I, I really liked seeing their sort of their sort of origin story. Did you like the direction they took Nefaro in Spicable Meets too, where he was kind of a traitor figure almost? Eh, I mean I feel like it was kinda predictable. But I also don't know what else they could have done with him in that movie. So I don't know. It's kind of hard to say. It's kind of like writing him out of the third one the way that they did was kind of justified since I'm not sure like what else they could have done with him, really. Mm, for sure. Yeah, but again, it's kind of one of those things that just makes this movie... I Like, I mean, this is totally... stand. Like, you could watch this totally standalone. There's no... You don't need to have watched any other movie within the Despicable Me franchise, but like... It's just one of those kind of nods that kind of makes it hit home a little more, you know? Just kind of knowing what happens with Gru and Nefario later on. And and I loved how, like, their team-up, so to speak, is like was like the, the I don't know what you would call it, the instigation the like uh, of the, the freeze ray, which is such an iconic part of Despicable Me 1. Because, like, if you remember back to those Despicable Me, like, the earliest trailers for Despicable Me 1 were the freeze ray scene. And, like, just seeing Gru, like, while they're in the Antarctic, like, kind of piece it together when he does the finger guns next to the ice, like, it's great. Yeah, the freeze ray is a staple of the franchise. Much like staples are staples to office spaces. (laughs) It's all connected. (laughs) And they make an appearance in the office, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Surrounded by Jello, <laughs> the unsung heroes. I really hope that someone ate that Jello because it seems like too good to throw out. <laughs> Speaking of things people should have eaten, how'd you feel about like that absolutely disgusting pineapple pizza? <laughs> <laughs> why, Stephen? Why? <laughs> yeah, no, I'm not a huge fan of pineapple pizza either. <laughs> I just think it's funny to bring it up. <laughs> Um, no, but I was, I was going to ask, like, how, how did you feel about, like, the scene where Nefario and Gru open that fridge? Cause they think the, they think the, the stone is in it for some reason. I don't know. It's just one of those dumb things. And like, I mean, it's like one of those things where like, you can't find your socks and it's like, oh, maybe it's in the fridge. Exactly. You know? Yeah. They open the fridge and it's just like the most rancid, like collection of food it, like ever animated. <laughs> with worms yeah and the, oh god it was gross oh gosh it, that reminded me of like you know how indiana jones is like 
afraid of snakes, mm-hmm. but it's like worms, so it's like kind of similar. You know, it's all like the way they're animated feels very gross. Like I feel like in kitty animation, like well, I don't want to say kitty because it's kind of like it feels like I'm like talking down to it, but I guess more softer animation should make you expect it to make worms and whatnot look more tame, but they looked so wriggly <laughs> and unsettling in this scene. And it's like the worms had no reason to be there. It's just that like the fridge had broken. And so there's like rotting food. And so like, why wouldn't there be worms in there? But why has anyone cleaned it? <laughs> yeah, it was, it was definitely uh, not a good moment. Especially the one that came out of, like, a banana with ketchup on it. Yeah, not not a pretty sight. Not a pretty sight. Got it. I mean, hand it, my hat's off to Illumination for pulling it off, but not a pretty sight. Illumination! <laughs> Gosh, I'm, like, so mad that, like, now Minions are, like, in every single Illumination logo at the beginning of all their movies. Yeah, they're, they're the Pixar lamp. I mean... Yeah, but I mean the lamp is not annoying. <laughs> yeah, and the lamp is like, it's 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 so weird to me thinking how like the minions are Illumination's lamp because they're the most known characters from them. Yet the like Pixar's lamp is like one of the least known because the lamp just from like this random animation they made in the mid '90s before Toy Story. Yeah, I think it was. It might have been the '80s, but yeah, I think it was called Luxo. Yeah, and like people hardly remember that one. But yeah. Yeah. It, have you ever seen the video that someone made where it's like from the point of view of the eye in Pixar when it's about to get squashed by the <laughs> Oh my <lamp>? gosh, no. <laughs> I haven't seen I'll see if I can find that and link it in the show <laughs> notes. <laughs> yeah, for all you listeners at home, um, on I do the show notes on all my podcasts, and Stephen is like a lot more diligent than I am. I'm so lazy when I do the show <laughs> notes for for the podcasts that I'm on. And Dylan is more Dylan exactly with the descriptions. I don't know. <laughs> There's something weirdly therapeutic about typing the show notes and the timestamps for them. I don't know if you get that same feeling. I, I do. Yeah, I, I think I do. Yeah, I'm not sure why. Maybe it's just like, I don't know, it kind of feels like a scavenger hunt and you feel like you get the exact perfect, like precise time for when like something in the episode happens and you're like, yes, I've documented this for the listeners. It's useful knowledge or whatever. Yeah, and just cross your fingers and hope like the links last for for years. (laughs) (laughs) Oh boy, do I have news to break to you later. (laughs) Anyway... (laughs) Yeah, I can't remember how this happens, but, like, the stone ends up in space, so there's, like, a space race to get it, which is pretty funny, given that we know, like, Gru's aspirations with, like, the moon and whatnot. Yeah, and again, I just, I can't speak highly enough, like, I love how it came together with, um, and gosh, I keep forgetting his name, a Wild Knuckles, like, him kind of encouraging Gru being like the father figure that he never had. Um, really, you know, this movie, like, you know, 
Gru does become a villain, obviously, but like the seeds are planted of what he does in Despicable Me One and how he like makes the right choice. And I just I don't know. Yeah, in my heart. <laughs> yeah, because because Wild Knuckles talks about like trying to run with a certain crowd, which is the vicious six, but then realizing that he needed to find his own family. Like it seems like he hasn't really found one. But, like, that knowledge, I think, like, probably sticks with Gru up to, like, Despicable Me 1. So it kind of adds a new layer when you see him, like, become a family man. Like, maybe in the back of his head, he's, like, remembering what Wild Knuckles talked about in this movie. And I think that's, like, one of the cool things that a good prequel can do, you know? Yeah, just adding that further contextualization to what happens in the later movies. I totally agree. Um, a lot of people don't like that route because in a lot of people's minds, like, you know, th- there's this thing of, well, why didn't Gru talk about Wild Knuckles and Despicable Me 1 or something like that? But personally, I've I've never had that problem, you know? Yeah, I mean, like, just speaking for myself, if I'm, like, hanging out with people that I know like around my age or whatever I don't like talk about the time when like I talked with some other friend about that episode of Family Guy where Brian got (laughs) run over and we were like speculating about whether or not he'd come back (laughs) and like I was reasoning why it made sense for him out of the whole Griffin family to be killed off like, like, you don't tell everyone everything, like, that happened early in your life, is what I'm getting at, I guess. Yeah, true enough, true enough. Who was the real Keon <laughs> long before he started podcasting? Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> well, funny thing is, Stephen, is now you actually have done exactly what you said you weren't going to do, which was oh, which shoot. was bring up the episode of Family Guy where Brian gets run over years later. Talking to someone who's roughly your age. <laughs> okay, yeah, I should edit that part out. So, yeah, I'll take note of that. No one will ever know. It'll be like that memory erasing thing at the end of whatever movie it was. <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> Forrest Gump 2, probably. Oh my god. <laughs> I think there were, like, two Forrest Gump books. Oh, wow, really? <laughs> like, I think the second... I've heard that the second book, like, he mentions how, like, the movie was different from, like, his actual life. Oh, wow. And I think I think he meets Tom Hanks in that second oh, book. Oh, my gosh. That's great. <laughs> At least that's what I've read online. If If it's not true, then I guess that's an example of a memory being implanted in me <laughs> through certain means. <laughs> Oh, gosh. It's like The Godfather 2, where they just, like, the only, like, actual real interesting parts are the parts from the first book they took. <laughs> and the original stuff is not great. I know I'm, that's not the most popular opinion, but yeah, I, I think The Godfather 2 is far inferior to The Godfather 1. Well, I'll do you one better. I think The Godfather movies are okay. Just okay. Yeah, I, I would I would agree with that, <laughs> or I'd lean very close to agreeing with it. There's even like this bit on Family Guy where Peter's like, 
I did not care for the Godfather. <laughs> it insists upon itself. And it's like, oh, I kind of see what it is. <laughs> yes. Just for the record, I don't hold Family Guy in high regard, at least in these last several years. Like, it's definitely gone downhill. It does have moments here and there, but like, definitely past the golden age of Family Guy, if you can even call it that. I'm personally okay with the first season before it got cancelled and brought back because the humor isn't just like cutaway jokes for 20 minutes and one minute of other stuff. It's like an actual sitcom style show. Um, and then when they, when, after it got cancelled and they brought it back, they introduced sort of the new style that they've become famous for. And weirdly enough, this is a total tangent. We're already on, we're way down this road, but like... There's no going back. Go ahead. <laughs> the first Fred movie, which uh, I covered on one of my <laughs> podcasts, had that same style of humor. And like, finding out that that was written by one of the head writers for Family Guy was like an oh my god moment. Because that's just that guy's style of humor. That he, that, okay, yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah, I'm... I recall plugging that Fred episode of Triple Play on this podcast like once or twice. Yeah, I remember I listened to that. <laughs> I was like, hey. <laughs> Unfortunately, we didn't see John Cena in this movie, but it still had some good stuff in it regardless. No, yeah, especially it would have been great to see like hear animated John Cena um, go up against animated the animated rock or animated the rock. How would you? <laughs> Yeah, I would do... Oh, gosh, whatever. Yeah, 70s rock. Yeah. <laughs> kid rock. Oh, my God. Oh, kid rock is a real thing. Ah! Oh, uh, <laughs> We're in too deep, <laughs> So, yeah, Gru tries to subdue the vicious six in space by, like, hatching this plan to, like, throw pies at them in space. And, like, the minions help, obviously. And it's just so absurd, but it somehow works, you know? Yeah, I mean, we brought this up right before we started recording, but, like, but Pi, like, definitely fits the style of humor that Despicable Me is going for. Yeah, and I mean, I don't know if this is intentional or not, but it reminds me of, like, the mathematical number Pi, and it just reminds me of how, like, in the first movie you had Vector, and, like, they mentioned, like, the equation for a Vector or whatever. Yeah, it's true. And I, I, I remember in like, um, I think it was 12th grade, I had this physics teacher who would quote Vector's catchphrase, <laughs> which is like, I am Vector, I am something, what's a mathematical equation? It's like something divided by something or something times something. Oh, it beats the heck out. I haven't done math in like four years. Uh, yeah. <laughs> 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 Well, I mean, if people have seen the movie, they know what I'm talking about. It's been forever since I've seen the first movie. Yeah. But yeah. Physics. <laughs> if only if only Dylan were here. No. Okay. He was lost in shadow. <laughs> now Dylan's probably fine right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. I like the space scene. I like the the physical humor that they kind of go for with like people getting sent every which way um not being able to get traction you know the 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 classic like doggy paddle slash breaststroke like through space but it doesn't work like it's all there 
Yeah, and they even throw this weird pizza. It doesn't have pineapple, but instead of tomato sauce, it has strawberry jam. Like it's a space jam. Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't know if that was intentional or not. Well, it's also that was pretty weird. Yeah, and it's it's a pizza pie because you know they're throwing the pies around, and this is like people say pizza pie, but this is like a cross between a pizza and what you traditionally think of as a pie. Yeah, like this ended up being one of those movies that made me hungry while watching it. You know, kind of like Ratatouille <laughs> or Chef or Good Burger stuff like that. Yeah. Cloudy with a chance of meatballs. <laughs> oh Good Burger, personally, Good Burger is too like it's too like '90s like greasy fast food to <laughs> to make me hungry. Unless I'm really hungry, and and then like I would kind of want to indulge in that stuff. But like I don't know, it's just too like '90s like humor with like the food looking really messy and stuff. I don't know. Personally, Good Burger is my favorite 1997 film. Oh yeah, don't get me wrong. It's, Good Burger is honestly one of my favorite <laughs> movies of all time. Like I'm talking top ten. <laughs> yeah, I'm. Yeah, I I wouldn't put The Godfather, any of them, in my top ten. But I would 100% put Good Burger in my top ten. Yeah, there's a reason it's not called The Good Father. Because <laughs> it's not good. <laughs> then we crack the code. <laughs> Oh man, we're like throwing hot takes all around in our love. Well, hey, just just like how they were throwing hot pies all around in space. Yeah. Also, this is another tangent, but I remember back in high school, I considered writing a fan fiction crossover between like Despicable Me, uh, Megamind, Cloudy with a Chance <laughs> of Meatballs, The Incredibles. And monsters versus aliens. So, like, The Incredibles and, like, a bunch of B-tier animated movies. Yeah. <laughs> like, he- like, heroes and whatnot. And, like, I I would have done the cringeworthy thing of having Minion from Megamind be like, Hey, you're Minions? My name is Minion. <laughs> and it just would have been bad, probably. You never know. You could have pulled it off, I think. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. <laughs> So what did you think of the finale? Because, I don't know, I, I felt that, like, the movie kind of pulled a fast one on, on us and all of its views, like, with the big reveal that the stone is actually not, like, even all that powerful. Right. Like, it was this weird, like, placebo effect thing, right? Where because the stone was so elusive, they thought that it had power, kind of like the ring from Lord of the Rings and how it slips out of people's hands or whatever. Mm-hmm. But really, maybe people just had, like, greasy, oily <laughs> hands and should just, like, wipe their hands more. So, I, I don't know. It was kind of... Like, at this point, like, the movie was entertaining enough where, like, the reveal didn't even bother me but like i could see how if this were like a more serious movie it may have bothered me you know yeah i didn't think twice about it i just kind of accepted it and along with it i liked it and i mean it kind of i don't i probably shouldn't even like really be getting this far into because it's a kid's movie and stuff but like i felt it was kind of nice that like you know it was really you know the power of love or whatever and and you know family and stuff at the end or fast and the furious family but like <laughs> yeah i was just i was just thinking about when you said family people always like meme that but it's really only fast and the furious it's only the sixth one that like gets really 
in have heavy with the family themes and stuff. I think. Well, also the ninth. Oh, one. really? Yeah. Yeah. Because I I've only watched the first six and like the first five of those. The six. vicious six. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The first five Fast and the Furious movies are not really all that family. And and I mean, hey, talk about top ten movies. The Fast and the Furious one, uh, is honest to God in my top ten. Like it's, I just really love that movie. Do you want to just reveal your whole top ten right now? <laughs> I don't know that I have like an actual solidified top ten in my head. I just know kind of what, like like the more that you the more entries in that list that you mention, the more like that's gonna get overflowing. Yeah, you know? exactly. So, like, if the Vicious Six were movies, it'd be, like, what would the first one be called? Like, the something and the vicious, and then the second one would be called (laughs) two something, two vicious. Two vicious, two six? Is that what? (laughs) (laughs) Like, Vicious Six would be the sixth one, I think, but, yeah. Oh, I see what you mean, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's a good question. So let the fans decide. <laughs> I just realized, actually, now looking at the cast list, that the minions are giving for, given first billing, even above Steve Carell's Gru. Like, Pierre Coffin, or Coffin, or however you pronounce his name, is, is first in the credits. Wow. Yeah, that's wild. Yeah. So I guess the rise of Gru is... Steve Carell's attempt to rise at the top of the credits again. <laughs> yeah, and he didn't make it, despite how how big of the focus he is in this movie, just he didn't make it. Well, I mean, you know, that's life, man. Yeah. Kind of <laughs> almost mirroring, you know, what <laughs> Wild Knuckles tells Gru at the end, you know. It, I don't know, it just it, the the whole the whole like stone not being very powerful at all. And the whole, like, almost, not really, but the almost, like, the last life, man, like, message at the end kind of reminded me of those, like, knockoff um, DreamWorks and Pixar movies, like, like the little <laughs> panda fighter. Like, I don't know if you, or, like, the what was it? The Transmorphers? Oh, so, oh, so, like, stuff from the Asylum? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, which, like, just, little panda fighter I've actually seen in in full. And like the the message at the like it seems like it's going for a good message like kids movies usually do but at the end like the thing is just the message is just that like money can buy you power and you need to explore, which is which is I mean it's it's actually true to life you know like it, it maybe that's a better message than like the heartfelt stuff that kids movies usually give you but like at the end of the day that's how that movie ends and it's just so weird. I'm like looking at this movie right now to see how it, <laughs> it looks. Not great. <laughs> oh gosh, it looks like food fight animation. <laughs> have you ever seen food fight? I have fight? not. They both have fight in the title. <laughs> wow, did I just like discover something? <laughs> An ancient conspiracy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, pretty soon, like some agency is gonna like break down my door and try to silence <laughs> <No>. me. <laughs> FBI, open up! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Asylum, open up. <laughs> Nobody should know of our connection to Food Fight or that this is a Kung Fu Panda ripoff. Yeah, the Asylum has their own private military. <laughs> yeah. That's why they're moving. They, they take all their prisoners to an asylum. 
to silence them it's, so they don't spread the truth. It's why they're it's why their movies are so low budget because they spend all their money arming their armed yeah. forces. What if it's the same asylum from Good Burger that they send <laughs> Dexter and Ed to? Uh, I gotta say that entire sequence of Good Burger is not like aged well. It has not. It really hasn't. But I mean, what are we gonna do? Time travel? <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> seriously? <laughs> As if that's possible, right? <laughs> Sweating profusely. Wink. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, all in all, though, I, I feel this is probably the second best despicable meme movie to date. The ending was very satisfying, I think. Like, you know, the vicious six get thrown into jail or whatever, and then Gru feels really good about himself having accomplished something, even if it wasn't exactly what he set out to accomplish. Mm -hmm. And it gets to, like, 1973 when, like, Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon comes out, and he, like, listens to that record and is just looking up at the the constellations, and it's just a nice bit of foreshadowing. Definitely, definitely. It was a satisfying ending, all said and done, all things considered. I wanted to ask you, so I remember... I remembered from back when I was kind of researching Despicable Me, the trilogy for 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 the podcast, you know, that I co-host Triple Play. Um, there was this quote from Chris Melodandry, who was I, I think he was either the founder of Illumination or was very heavily involved. He said, "We embrace the subversive." That was his quote about what like Illumination's mission statement, almost. Um, how much would you say that this movie fall, falls in line with that? It's kind of weird because I feel like subversion can be good, but it can also be bad depending on the execution. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, um, I think Illumination also put out The Secret Life of Pets. Yes. That was pretty much just Toy Story and I guess kind of like Bolt, which was also like kind of a ripoff of Toy Story, but like. It was pretty straightforward. It was what you expected. So it was kind of disappointing that it was very copy and paste. And then you get like the second Secret Life of Pets movie. Um, and the beginning I actually thought showed promise. Like I wanted it to be about the dog, like, like the relationship with the kid and like protecting like the child or baby or whatever mm-hmm. it was. But then. It took a sharp turn and became like a totally different film that was like not that. And so that was really disappointing. It's like when the camera shifts from the main plot to the minions, basically. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But like the whole movie. But with Rise of Gru, well, yeah, it was subversive with like the stone and whatnot. And I think it worked given the context of the movie. And it actually like subverted my expectations like I was kind of expecting a Minions movie like this to be worse than it actually was but then I ended up getting more enjoyment than I expected definitely definitely I know that's like a roundabout answer and I'm not sure if I like completely answered it no like but yeah I think that totally makes sense um because I think this movie actually did a good job of taking a long hard look at what was good about Despicable Me and perhaps, uh, again, I haven't watched Minions 1, but perhaps what worked in Minions 1 and really, really trying 
if always succeeding, but at least trying to kind of marry those two together. Yeah, definitely. It kind of feels like it's trying to meet halfway between the two different brands. Um, well, not Russell brands, but like <laughs> the Minions and Despicable Me brands. And like, in a way that kind of works. Mm-hmm, for sure. All right. So, like, how would you rank the movies and what are your final thoughts and score out of 10? Oh, gosh. Um, I know you, like, hate ranking things, but, like... (laughs) Yeah, you know, I I definitely put Despicable Me 1 as number one. Uh, Oh, shoot, I should have started with my lowest, but, oh, well, too late. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I definitely put this at number two. Um, Yeah, these are those two are definitely the strongest, I think. Um, Again, I haven't watched Minions, so I'm not going to put that one on the list, but... Then probably I'd say Despicable Me 2, and then 3, I think, is my least favorite. Just Balthazar Brat, not a great villain. Um, Again, like you mentioned at the beginning of the episode, way too heavy on the 80s nostalgia type stuff. Um, Kind of regresses Gru's character in like a really weird way. And yeah, just not my favorite. And the minions were damn annoying in that one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I really hope that there are, like, no kids listening to this who just really love the Minions no matter what. <laughs> so my score out of 10, um, you know, I, I really, when I when I do give things a score out of 10, um, I don't go with, like, the whole 7 is average type thing. I usually go with, you know, straight down the middle, 5 is an average movie. Um, and I think given my expectations, I'd put this at a 6. It was above average. I enjoyed it. It wasn't out of this world and it wasn't stellar. Even despite the ending sequence in space, it just wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but th- yeah. that said, I liked it and I do think it was above average or above my expectations. Yeah, I mean, we should all aspire to be above average, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> was that a pun? Um or- <laughs> It's just like, you know, like usually people say you should aspire to be the best, but I'm just saying above average. Yeah. (laughs) I've probably talked about this before, but like in England, 70% or higher is an A and like 60s is a B and like 50s is a C, I think. And it's weird. (laughs) Yeah, that is really odd. But yeah, as for me, I think... Like, again, I went in with low expectations, and then I ended up enjoying this more than I thought I would. And, yeah, like, this was a fun ride. There were some moments that made me laugh to the point where I probably annoyed the person sitting next (laughs) to me who was, like, who, like, shushed me at one point. (laughs) So I felt, like, kind of bad. But, um... Yeah, this had some great moments, and I think, well, I'll do my score first and then my rankings. I think I'll give this one a 7.75 out of 10. Uh, I enjoyed it a bit more than Spongebob, Sponge on the Run, as far as, like, animated movies I've reviewed on this podcast. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't as fun as Scoob, which... I've probably mentioned at some point during this podcast, like even if it wasn't a full comprehensive review. Yeah. Also, SpongeBob is like another like popular yellow animated character. I wonder if there's a conspiracy there. Huh. Yeah. Wow. And I mean, 
hey, The Simpsons. Oh, true. You know, I have a friend who used to think that, like, I guess as a kid, she thought that The Simpsons were French fry people. Because <laughs> they were yellow. I can kind of see that. You know, Bart and Marge are definitely very long. <laughs> yeah, Bart's haircut, like, he kind of looks like he could be, it could be like those zigzag looking French fries at the top. Yeah. Somehow. Um, so, yeah, I guess my rankings of the movies would be like, Despicable Me 2 and then 1. Like, if I watch them again, I, they might switch places, but I think those are, like, around 8 out of 10 for me. And then uh, this one, and then Despicable Me 3, which is probably, like, 6.5 for me, and then Minions is a 6. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah... <laughs> That was quite a ride. <laughs> like, I'm really proud of some of the tangents we went on in this episode, <laughs> weirdly enough. <laughs> it was very illuminating. Oh my gosh, wow. <laughs> Come to think of it, though, we didn't actually even really touch on um, the budget nature of Illumination movies and how that factored into this movie. Anyone who's, like, even if you haven't looked it up, like, if you've watched an Illumination movie, like anyone out there, then you know that they're kind of a budget studio. Uh, that's kind of their business model is, you know, skimp. Not skimp, but like they're they're definitely not as big budget as like a DreamWorks or a Pixar movie. Um, sure. But their movies still look great, I think, um, whether that's just their aesthetic, just their art, like their art design. Um, I think their movies look, just look great all around. I think this one was no exception to that. Yeah, I mean, even the ones where the story falls short still look decently animated, I'd say. I remember even a little anecdote from Despicable Me 2 where I don't think this is true. I think it's actually probably just an exaggeration, but Steve Carell was like, yeah, the, the 3D modelers crashed the computers they were working on because their models were so, I don't know, uh, detailed. I don't necessarily believe that. Oh, though, wow. But... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> That's wild. Yeah. But yeah, this movie grew on me. Oh my gosh. <laughs> uh... <laughs> you were, you've been waiting for the entire time to say that, haven't you? I almost forgot to say it. I was going to say it during my final thoughts on the movie, and I was, I was like, oh shoot, I forgot to say that. <laughs> I do think that the the Despicable Me franchise has been, at least in my mind, a little bit reinvigorated by this movie. Yeah, ironically, it's not despicable. It's actually good. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, um, I guess we'll go ahead and wrap up. Uh, thanks for being on this episode, Keon. Where can people find where, wherever you're located um, <laughs> on the internet? <laughs> yeah, so I co-host three different ongoing podcasts and, and one that's done. I guess I'll just plug all of them. Um, but we're... Do it. Yeah, so um, I'm part of the Decorative Vegetable Network of Podcasts, um, which if you've listened to previous episodes of Delayed Replay, Dylan... Um, is you know my co-host on those podcasts so we do trust your doctor a weekly doctor who podcast 
We do Inevitable, which is a, a weekly classic sci-fi podcast. We're currently watching through the 1967 uh, Prisoner series, um, which has been fun. Um, I do Triple Play, which is currently on hiatus, but that's a movie trilogy podcast um, released seasonally, irregularly, um, but we try and do it as much as we possibly can on and off with our with Inevitable, um, our, our sci-fi one. Um, and then I have, or, or I'm on uh, uh, Zenith, a Blake 7 podcast, which, you know, we covered uh, the entirety of Blake 7. Uh, and that's our uh, completed podcast. Um, so we're, I mean, we're on Facebook um, at Trust Your Doctor and, and we're on Twitter at TYD Podcast if you want to check us out there or at decorativevegetable.com. You can find all our podcasts there as well. Um, and yeah, in, in, in response to the first part of that little statement, Stephen, um, absolutely. Uh, thank you so much for having me on. It's been such a fun time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean... I keep forgetting to mention that Dylan was on the Jungle Cruise episode. That's specifically where he was on. But yeah, mm -hmm. like it was great having you on one of these too. Uh, so as for, yeah, that sounded really awkward the way it did it. But yeah, it's too late. <laughs> um, so as for my plugs, um, you can find my fantasy horror comedy novel that I always talk about Lemons and Like Rain it's it's on Amazon and you can find more info on that at stevenshinder.com you can also find me on Instagram and Twitter at Steven Schinder and on Facebook at Steven Schinder Storytelling and I'm also writing and editing some articles for Culture Slate uh, an entertainment news site and they're at culture slate pretty much everywhere so yeah i'll put links to like my plugs and keon's plugs in the show notes of course um and yeah just click on everything that you see in the show notes i guess because <laughs> like why not like it's a lot of work just well the copying and pasting isn't a lot of work but just adding new things is kind of work too <laughs> yeah, and those clicks are free. Literally just takes seconds of your time and zero dollars, so. <laughs> yeah, I I just do this for fun. Like, just just click, please. Please. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess I would get money if they, like, ended up buying my book, but anyway. <laughs> true, true. Uh, so, yeah, and if you have any thoughts on... Uh, this movie or anything else that's been covered on the podcast, you can email delayedreplaypodcast at gmail.com and we may read your thoughts on the show. Uh, now, just real quick, let me check the emails. There are none. Oh, well. <laughs> uh -huh. I honestly don't know why I include that segment, but, you know. <laughs> just in case. Just in case. Like, imagine, like, the one time I forget to mention emails, like, someone actually sends out an email. <laughs> I might surprise you one of these days, shoot an email into your uh, into your inbox there. The problem is you cover so many movies that I haven't seen, so. Well, I mean, you could comment on some of the tangents me and my the other guests have gone <laughs> yeah. on. So you could be like, oh, I, I disagree with that hot <laughs> take or whatever. <clears throat> true enough, true enough. Like, like, what's great about your hot takes on the podcast you're on is that even when I disagree with them, like, the way you bring them up just 
sounds so funny <laughs> that I just like it's just gratifying hearing them. <laughs> I'm pretty sure garbage entered my vocabulary when it comes to film analysis because I've heard it so much on those podcasts. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I don't know if I should be happy about that, but I, I guess I will be. <laughs> and hey, Garbage is an okay band. I was going to say they're great, but they're actually not. <laughs> they're just okay. They have like. I didn't even know they were a band. Yeah. The... Are they a garage band? <laughs> which is Garbage without the B. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, their second album is pretty good if you want to give it a listen. The rest of their discography is not great. <laughs> all right yeah oh i might listen to that and then include a comment about it in the show notes <laughs> if i listen before putting this up but anyway i guess with that uh the show is over and uh hopefully we'll get like the the inevitable like minions slash despicable me time travel synergy story Someday, we'll see. My finger crossed. Yeah. <laughs> All right, without further delay, have a good day. We are Wu and Oath.